Tobias Carlyle is the founder and principal of Acquire's Funds. For regulatory reasons, he will not discuss any of the Acquire's Funds on this podcast. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Acquire's Funds or affiliates. For more information, visit acquiresfunds.com. Hey, it's Tobias here. If you want to learn a little bit about my firm or see my portfolio, head on over to acquirersfunds.com. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Live, it's April 21, uh, the day after oil went absolutely bananas. I have no idea what happened. (laughs) Negative $40. Yeah. Uh, Markets off a little bit. On 420. Tech's getting beaten up. Oil has gone berserk. How are you fellas doing? Living the dream. Jake. I'm doing well. I'm texting my dad right now to let him know that we're live. Uh, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good, man. Uh, we'll see. Well, I guess we might as well do the uh, opening and then we can get into it. I always like a shout out from uh, where you're listening in from because we've had some like we're going around the world. Ten people from ten different locations around the world. All ten con- con- uh, con- con- continents. continents represented. <laughs> we got Atlantis also, or what's that? Oh, Atlantis. That's going to have a tough go of it here coming up soon. Whose intro is it in, today? In the uh, I think it might be probably. my turn. Oh, good. I like that. All right, I'll kick it off. Welcome to Value After Hours. I'm one of your hosts, Jake Taylor. Joining me today, we have, as usual, Bill Brewster and Toby Carlisle. Bill, what are you going to be talking about today? I'm going to do an accounting of uh, where I am, where I've been, and where I think I'm going. Okay, therapy session. Toby? I want to talk about (laughs) oil a little bit. I think that uh, that was kind of an interesting situation yesterday where it traded negative, the front month future at expiry. Uh, I just wonder if it indicates something going on underneath. There are lots of these wild theories going around, so I just want to talk about them because it's fun. But I got no particular insight (laughs) What's your, what are you talking about, JT? Uh, I'm going to be talking about what the power grid can teach us about the economy. So Right after this. Back after this. <laughs> right now. We play the funky music on the way in. Uh, who, wants to, who wants to take it away? Should we do oil? Because that, kind of, that was the weirdest thing I've ever yeah. seen yesterday. Yeah, sure. So front month oil. Uh, people, had, people had tipped this happening beforehand that so all the storage evidently was filled up. And so the issue was going to be that you had to take physical delivery of barrels of oil. And that's not simply a matter of emptying the pool and filling it up with oil or tipping it into the salt mine in your backyard. You actually had to have, uh, you had to be able to pick it up at Cushing or get it delivered. You had to have some proper storage facilities. So as the day kind of went on from very early in the morning, it was selling off really rapidly. It went through... 10 bucks went through five bucks 
went through a dollar. That was getting pretty silly. Traded down to one cent. I tweeted when it was at one cent, just because this is the craziest thing that I've ever seen. You get a barrel of oil for a cent. And then, of course, it went negative. And it went negative, I think at the low, it was close to like negative $40 a barrel of oil. Just absolutely bananas. So uh, the reason, and I've talked to some people, I don't think that anybody has a really good bead on what happened. But the thing that I've discovered, um, so MBT, who's the Saudi prince, apparently he had shipped a whole lot of oil to... Him too. Did did I I say MBS, is it? Sorry. Yeah. It's MBS, yeah, it's fine. No disrespect. I like my hands where they are. Shipped all of the yeah, oil. Yeah, you don't want to mess with that guy, man. Negative. Shipped all the oil. <laughs> to, that's why That's why I was using a, a pseudonym. You cracked my pseudonym. Oh, sorry, yeah. There were like 4 million barrels of oil being shipped to the States. Increased it to 9 million to make the to fill up all of the storage spaces. And then crashed yeah. the oil price, evidently, so that... Um, people would consider trying to do this and so it was like a it was a it was a maneuver not unlike uh earlier on when uh the oil price tanked and they went and bought a whole lot of european put a billion dollars to work in each of these different european oil majors so it looks like it was planned it's kind of this it's interesting to watch i don't know if it's like just old school market operation or if it's some nation state battle that we normals don't know what is kind of going on but Oil is tough to play at the moment. What, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Is it is it does it indicate something sicker about the underlying economy, or is it just market operation? Jake, boy, I don't know. I mean, uh, it is interesting to think about, like you know, Hunt Brothers type of cornering silver maneuvering uh, potential there. I honestly, or maybe. Uh, Maybe we need to watch Trading Places again and, uh, you know, try to figure out Orange Juice. Oh, Where's Eddie Murphy in all this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't know if this is the this is the crash it and then, you know, he swings back the other way. And I, I honestly, I don't know what the answer is, uh, but I do think it'd be fun to speculate on which comes first, uh, negative $100 oil or positive $100 oil from here. Yeah, so that was just that front month oil contract and the, the second month back. So I, I asked, did anybody blow up out of this? Like, I just don't know whether that's a, you know, it's the front month at that point where it's just about to expire isn't particularly heavily traded. It's pretty thinly traded. So anybody, I, I don't know any of this firsthand. This is what I was told. Anybody who knows what they were doing was basically out that. of the front month. Yeah, they were in the second, they the June contract. Yeah, I think it's the June contract had, had become the one or... I actually don't know, but I think it was the June contract, has become the one that is more heavily traded. And so USO, which is the big oil ETN, evidently had moved most of its exposure to that second month. And so it wasn't them who was going to blow up. I had somebody tweet me, that send me a note this morning saying that uh, DIG, D-I-G, the ETF, was up like 800% overnight. I don't know if that was a share reverse split because it doesn't seem to the show heck up. Where are they? It's an oil. What do they do? It's an oil. Oh, dig is like an oil and uh, minerals. Oh yeah, that's got to be a reverse split. Yeah. That's like when the LNG ticker was up big, like five years ago. Well, or, or uh, UN UNG or whatever it is for the natural gas, and like natural gas is just plummeting, and the ticker got a big bump, and people were like, "Oh, look at how much it's up!" And it's like, "No, nah, dude, you just have." One of the shares yeah. you used to have. 
Well, it wasn't on a long-term chart. It was just on that open was 10 times higher than the close, which makes me think it was reverse split. The interesting thing too, well, not the inter- there's a ton of interesting things, but uh, I listened to the journal has a podcast also, and they were talking about uh, a milk truck went to a dairy farm, got all the milk that the dairy farm was was uh, holding, and looked at the woman and said, "Okay, so which manure pit do you want me to dump all this in?" And she was like, "What do you mean?" And they were like, "Yeah, we can't take this anywhere. There's nowhere in the supply chain for it. Spinach is getting plowed under." Oil is yeah. negative. Like there's no demand for commodities because the supply chain, a isn't set up for it. And then I guess the other factor is like there's just no demand. Livestock that would have been my, my sentence structure was poor. Sorry. The, the livestock one is it is a little bit sad that basically there's a supply chain that it takes nine months to process. And if it gets to the end of the supply chain and there's no takers, they just get gassed or slaughtered. With you know, I guess that was yeah. going to happen anyway. But and then dumped. They're making so, a big deal out of the chicken eggs being broken, but I've seen that before. That happened a couple years ago. I don't think that's here, quite as unique. Yeah. I'll start having 10 egg omelets. I think it might be a different type of egg. I don't know. There's like, you know, they, they get so specific. Like, here's an interesting fact. There is no value to male dairy cows. And the reason is all the good dairy cows. Oh, well, you, you, you can, can but, but it, it takes weird. You can milk anything with nipples, Fokker. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they have all the sperm and banks. So like there is, you don't need a male dairy cow anymore. Anymore. So there you go. Yeah. Well, wow. you needed to milk it first for the sperm, right? <laughs> Wait, is that not how it works? We have derailed. Rooster bringing the, the ag insights here. It's like a 4-H club. I got, I got animal I husbandry, to, grade I mean, nine I and grade 10. I love that industry. It was a fun industry to bank. It was wild. I'll tell you what. The uh, that outbreak in Sioux Falls uh, in the um, in the the meat processing plant. If you've ever toured one, those people are like shoulder to shoulder. They all wear like chainmail because they all have knives, and you never want like a knife fight to break out. It is tough, tough working conditions. You could see how something like coronavirus could spread quick. Oof. That's all I got. Nothing really... related to oil. You're welcome. Yeah, looking at the underbelly of a lot of where our stuff shows up is is a little concerning, huh? Are there any trades in any of this? Like that was the thing that I, everybody yesterday was trying to figure it out, and it just looked like basically you got to take delivery of oil, which which when when everybody looked into it, Chris Arnade had a look, and then he he showed what you had to do. It was just too hard. You couldn't organize yourself to get it done by the close. I guess if you were smart, which I saw some tweets maybe a week or so earlier that had said negative oil is a possibility here. I guess if My you're... favorite one was just pump it into the Gulf of Mexico and then take $15 and give it to the lawyers for every barrel <laughs> and then keep the other 25 You don't think there's any punitive damages in that? I think they're going to come after you for the profits. Those are capped at a certain level. Somewhere the, uh, the listeners that are long tankers are screaming at their screen yeah. saying, say tankers. Tankers. Yeah. Tanker right. Twitter. Did uh, we fill up the... The SBR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. I think it's pretty full. I think we're going to try. Wouldn't it be funny if it comes out that Buffett's big trade is buying oil right now, right? Like, oh, I just took delivery of all these things and people paid me for them because I had the space. I doubt it happened, but it'd be interesting. He did it with the cocoa. Yeah. <laughs> the cocoa beans. Did he do that yeah, personally? Yeah, with the cocoa. Yeah, that's right. He, no, he's done it with silver too. Did he take delivery? I think he. I don't know whether he did silver through Berkshire or whether that was a personal trade. 
Oh, I think it was through Berkshire. I think they did talk about that. Yeah. All right. I don't think there's much in this one for value, guys, unfortunately. Just just showing how ignorant are we are. Thing, right? I mean, that's that's the only trade that has really been like, uh, what's his name? Cuppy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and my man, the shipping man, who I interact with on Twitter occasionally. He's a good guy. Uh, anyway, like those guys have nailed it. Now, the question is, the thing that's hard is I was explaining that trade to my wife, and it took her three minutes to say to me, now, don't you have to buy it and sell it correctly? And I was like, well, yeah, you do. And she was like, that sounds like a really hard game. And I was like, yes, well, you just figured out in three minutes what took me years. <laughs> so j- just before we move on, I've, I've, got, I've got a good comment here from Kevin's at local. How are you, Kevin? After the Deepwater Horizon disaster, BP was fined $18.5 billion for spilling 4.9 million barrels of oil. So the floor is negative $3,800 on the oil price. <laughs> That's one way to look there at you it. There you go. Thank now you know. The math checks go. out. Thanks, Kevin. The math does check out. Uh, JT, do you want to do insights from running the power grid? Yeah. Do you want to tell everybody uh, what you used to do before you were an investor? Or yeah. at the same time let's as you transitioned? Our, eat our vegetables. Uh, I, uh, yeah, for 12 years before, a lot of people don't know, I, I ran the power grid for the state of California. Um, and there's some... There's a lot of interesting overlap there. Wait, 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 wait. There's a question that's that's a necessary follow-up. I ran the power grid for the state of California. Can you break that into like what that means? And also, was that during the uh, was that during the Enron kind Enron. of messing with the power grid time? Yeah, I was. Uh, I came in just a little bit after Enron, but most of the people that I worked with had been pretty heavily involved with that. Um, and so the uh, I mean, I literally sat in a room with eight other people that looks like mission control, you know, screens everywhere, numbers, charts and maps and stuff that, uh, was re- operating the power grid for California. So that's what I that's did. That's pretty sweet. What does that involve? Yeah. You're bringing on different power stations, turning them off. Right. Yeah. You're well, so it's, it's, it's combining the economics with the engineering. So trying to operate it with the least cost, you know, bringing on different, different supplies, uh, so generators in different areas. Because if you have, you know, the electricity has to travel to wherever the demand is. If it's too much over one particular line, you could melt that line down. So you have to bring hmm. on power, you know, on that can counterbalance if a line is getting overloaded, uh, those kind of things. So it's. It's pretty technical. Uh, a lot Can of. I, I'm going to ask a follow-up here about our favorite company in the world. What is it? How does like uh, a smart grid that collects sun and then sells it, like this Tesla vision of the world, right? How does that complicate the grid or make it easier? Any of that stuff? Like I'm, I don't even know the question to ask. Yeah, like how does solar fit into the like future of electricity um yeah well and like homes being able to shift back yeah, onto the grid with the battery. Like, what does that do to, to somebody like you or, or your old position when you're watching like how do, how does that get smart for lack of a better term yeah it's it's difficult because the sun is often not when you really want the electricity so they have now in the, the sun's morning, out in the daytime often, correct <laughs> yeah but <laughs> most places yes uh, <laughs> so they, so what happens then is that a lot of times, and they've actually seen this now where there's a lot of negative prices in the, in the or like late morning 
because the demand is not up enough to meet all of the supply. So if you had a good enough um, battery, so, you can get paid to store. So not unlike the oil, you, yes. you can get paid to store. Is there any... So that's the real limit there right now of why... So one of the problems with solar is that, one, it can go away with a cloud quickly. And so it's it's much more intermittent than, say, a big nuclear plant that is just chugging along and it has a very steady output. Uh, the other problem is that it uh, it doesn't ramp particularly well. So let's say that you want to have a, let's say a bunch of, of people want to turn their lights on all at the same time. Well, how do you get the all of the machinery to ramp up at the same rate? Because electricity is consumed and produced instantaneously. Right. So like it, supply and demand have to balance 24-7, 365 every you know, one sixtieth of a second, which is called a cycle. Um, so it it takes it takes quite a bit of coordination to make sure that you have all of these machines on. And the 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 solar plants typically are they're not great at moving up and down to sort of meet like when someone wants to turn a light switch on or off. Hmm. So so being able to shift it by storing it as a battery really is a good solution. But the, it's an interesting kind of difference, right? We're trying to move internet is being moved from like a home or, or in your, your, store, your storage on the cloud is going to be no longer in your business. It's going to be with AWS or someone else or Google right. or whoever. But then In Iowa with the electricity sold to you by Buffett. Holla. But then yeah. it's possible too that the, the reverse happens with energy that you start storing it locally if there's a battery yeah. good enough. I mean, does, does, is that technology in yeah. existence or is that is that's what Musk is trying to build or has built? Yeah, I mean that's what the that's what a lot of people are building, not just Tesla, okay. but that is what is a like if they could get the price of batteries down, then that it is a game changer for uh, being able to smooth out the curve of how much you demand from outside of your own little unit of your house and your solar panel. Uh, you can reduce but, the amount of like base need almost, right? Because if you can st if you can store your battery, then you're wasting less sun. If that makes, am I thinking about this correctly? No, it's more right. that you're sh oh, you're shifting sorry. you're shifting the electrons to when you need them. They're collected at a continuous rate over when the sun is out, but your usage is not on any kind of a continuous rate. So you need some kind yeah. of smoothing there, and the battery provides that. That makes sense. So, to to move to your initial point, what's the what's the connection to yeah. to investing? So a couple of things. Uh, the first one is that when you when you sh sh have a blackout, when you shut down an electrical system, it happens instantaneously, and it takes multiple days typically to get it back up and running. So what you have to do is you have to bring on a little generator, bring on a little bit of load. And you're doing this constant balancing act. And while you're doing it, the voltage and the frequency are swinging around wildly because you're, you know, you're adding load, you're bumping up it, you're adding like little pieces and you're building these little islands. And then you reconnect them as you're going. And eventually you get the whole system back up and running together on the same frequency. Well, if eventually what the, I think what we're running into that might be a problem right now, if we're, we continue to be shut down like we are, it may take a lot longer than people are expecting to get our economic power system back up and running. Um, and, you know, the same problem of having little islands and being able to reconnect them, 
it's it's not obvious to me. Like there's some power plants that take, you know, more than a week actually to get online and running because they have to like warm up things in a and they have to like stay out of certain temperature zones because it's bad for the the metal. Um, so it, it's not obvious like that you can just like snap your fingers and rebuild a power grid. And I think the the same sort of complex system that has emergent behavior that is the the economy mirrors that same problem. So that's number one kind of takeaway. Yeah, that's interesting. Is it is it um, just this is a little bit this is um, just to destroy the analogy a little bit, but is the power actually what like what's the load like through a period like this? Are we using more or less? Uh, I th- we got to think... be using a lot less. Have yeah, to I be. think. I think we're using a lot less right now. The only um, reason I ask is like the power consumption seems to go up sure. when people go home, right? Or is that just because they're turning on lights? Yeah, dude, but you're not using like any in the, of the office buildings. You're not using like any of the public transportation. I mean, I, I, aggregate energy usage definitely down. I would yeah. imagine power's down. Makes more sense. Just, just wondering. Yeah. So takeaway number two, uh, and this is a little bit more of a, a little bit more abstract, but as you add load onto the system, so let's say you, you turn on your hairdryer, you notice that the lights will dim a little bit in your house. And that is because load added will lower the voltage a little bit. And what you need then is a, a generator that's nearby to ramp up its output a little bit to to then boost the voltage in your house so that you're back up to back up to the normal voltage and now your your light bulbs are they look the same as they did before. Well uh, I'm not going to get into some of the technicalities of like the difference between a megawatt and a a, a volt ampere reactive, uh, but there's actually two kinds of power. Uh, you guys might not know about that. But, I did not know that. Um, so I, I have no idea what he just said. I thought did there was AC and DC. English? That's all. That's all I knew. There is AC and DC, but yeah, there's. Um, Good so, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, there is a little magic trick that you can play in this whole system if you don't have a generator that's nearby to prop up your voltage and it's you add a series capacitor so if you add a capacitor to a to an ac system it will actually boost the voltage up okay now capacitors are much cheaper to build than say a, a generator because they don't require any kind of prime mover there's no fuel source for it you know with a with a generator i have to have some sort of external energy to capture to then turn into electricity a series capacitor doesn't require that. So as you can imagine, we spent a lot of time and money adding series capacitors to the system over the years in place of maybe generation a lot of times because it's cheaper. But what you're doing there is you're just sort of artificially propping up the voltage. And what happens is is they have this thing called a knee curve. And it's basically as you prop up the voltage, you get closer and closer to an edge where if you add load, it will you can fall right off of it and you will like instantaneously crash the entire system there's no like slowly ramping down like we're talking like 160th of a second you know you could you could black out if you're right on the edge of that load curve well in my mind a lot of our money printing is a way, is a really sort of series capacitors for the system like we're just propping up the voltage in a way we're not actually creating any real generators that that will provide the real power uh, so that's that's uh, something maybe that I thought people might find interesting. I, I tweeted this thing out last week just because I was interested to know, you know, there are, there are some relationships between different assets in the market that 
there's not it's not obvious that there's a correlation between the two of them or that there's causation between the two of them rather but there is this sort of long run kind of correlation between them and something wacky has gone on across lots of different assets over the last very recently like over the last month where they've gone from having a reasonably stable relationship to just going asymptotically or exponentially uh, away from that relationship. And one of them is oil and gold, which we saw that extent in the oil price alone yesterday, but that had been happening before that in oil and gold. And I guess that to fit an explanation to it, it is that oil is something that is consumed in the economy. It's not really a speculative asset, although it does have those components to it. Whereas gold is not something that's consumed. It's really, it's got the other properties, you know, money, store of value, uh, more Any of a speculative of asset. Gold? I didn't Copper look at that one. The same? Yeah, I, I wonder if it is. It's similar, right? Industrial uses and, right. and I don't know. That's the problem with silver as money, that silver is used in various different things. So you mm. can't get a good gauge on it as a speculative asset because it's also consumed. It's not always there. And there were other things like small cap to... So the QQQ, which is the NASDAQ to the uh, I, I think it's IWM, all of these things, they, these got, they've got these really wacky moves in the in the charts. There's, that one makes sense to me, man, though. That's fear but to that, me. To, right? to, I mean, to the like, Qs away from big, IWM. Big tech versus like small, small cap. Small cap. Yeah. That's, I mean, I mean, when that's you're scared, where power you gonna, to me. Yeah. I guess. But if you're scared, where are you going to buy? Like, like the, to me, the, it, the, yeah, but well, maybe, but I mean, you got some stuff there. I mean, th that's the thing. Like, even that organization, you got the potential for serious insurance liabilities. Now, whether or not that's mitigated by, I mean, at a minimum, you have the potential for serious uh, lawsuits. Whether or not those lawsuits are are potentially, you know, whether or not they win is sort of a different issue. Um, but there's uncertainty around that. And then you do have some asset heavy businesses there that that take a little bit. You know, I if you're worried about the E, worrying about the valuation right now to me is not what people are doing. Right now I think people are trying to hide in safety of E and they're willing to pay up for that. Uh the question to me is, okay, well, when does that trade unwind? And is that a smart game to play? Those are how I think about it. But like that's why I think the divergence was. Now, within sort of Fangma. Uh, Fanmag. I, yeah, that too. Fanmag. Uh, you know, like, we'll see how that stuff, how people react to some. The numbers could be uglier within some of them than people expect. Maybe within all of them. Who knows? But I think while you're blind, that's what's going on. Could yeah. be wrong. Yeah, I, I think I think we're close to I think to, to Jake's original point. I think we're close to some sort of you know when I, I've talked about these before is like the Didier Sornet wave where the Sornet wave where it gets that the wave gets tighter and tighter and more rapidly bought each dip gets bought. When I look at that kind of exponential move, I always think that that's you know maybe not in terms of in terms of price terms in the relationship because the point of the exponential move is that it moves a lot over a very short period of time but i think in terms of time we're getting very close to something kind of breaking down and reversing course there hmm. it's possible yeah. someday it will and when 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 it when the jaws start to close there the bottom half of the jaws are going to rip it's just a matter of being right on that. 
you don't think the top half of the jaws are coming down a little bit too? I don't know, man. Not with rates here. Not. I mean, I. I it's going to be tough. I don't know what's going to happen. We, I'm just. I think I'm just speculating big. along with everybody else, revealing my yeah. biases. Slowly. Yeah. I mean, I just. I wouldn't look. I wouldn't short them, right? Like it, I it's short just them way, way too hard to short. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, short an exponential you know, move. Yeah. I like my They're head on my shoulders. Well, sometimes you're short and then it moves exponential when you didn't see it coming. Also. Uh, that's true. Thanks for the reminder, JT. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That trade oh, that did reverse good. course, no, by the way. It wasn't, I wouldn't say it was a good trade, but it did. That's Tesla for everybody who yeah. hasn't heard, heard about my pain in that. I, my pain, too. I have never been more wrong more often oh. than on a stock. So I just don't even look at it anymore. But... Um, Do you have yeah, a Jake, I really, I really like that segment. That was really interesting. Was there, is there stuff. a third point? Are we, are we through it? Or I think there's. Well, wait, wait, I got to follow up on this. We may go a little long, but I think, I think what you're, what you're talking about is what I think may be the difference between the investor mindset and hashtag rich person brain and like what's actually going on in the world. And I, you know, I, I was discussing, I apologize for not recalling who it was, uh, on Twitter with somebody yesterday about Amazon's move. And they said, like, I, I had said, it's interesting to see the EV to sales divergence with the S in number or in question. And he was like, cause it's too low. And I agree short term, Amazon's going to have a huge boost. His point was like unemployment insurance is going to take care of some of these people that got on that are recently unemployed, but Man, the idea that velocity of spend is going to come back quickly. Like, I don't see how any company is immune to what we may be looking at. And I think that it's a lot easier to, you know, Ken Fisher put out that, like, we're not in a recession, we're in a gap or some bullshit. Like, no, dude, you can't have 20 million people laid off and just be like, oh, this is just some temporary gap. And people are just going to bounce back. For one, companies are going to realize they didn't need the people. Like, and they're not going to hire them back as soon as they furloughed them. No freaking way. That's crazy. Especially in, not at the same spots. And that means like training is required, supply chain reconfigurations. I mean, we're talking about a lot of costs that's going to be incurred over Dude, the law even, firms. Even if everyone gets back to work, like it's going to take a while. Law firms just rebased pay. You're telling me that they're going to be like, oh, hey, we're back. No, you just reset it. Now you give people a 5% raise, not a 20% raise. Uh, the economy is going to be running, if you believe what anything that the experts are saying, let's call it even 90%. That, I mean, this isn't a V. Anyone that thinks that, I think, is kind of nuts. I got to say, now, I, I might be nuts, and maybe treatment helps. I cannot but, wait for summer. I'm going to go absolutely nuts on July 4th. Just make sure you're six feet away from everybody while you're doing it. Don't tell me how to live my life. I'll be handing out hugs, free hugs. <laughs> I'm going to put up Twitter pictures of you and you're going to get ratioed. I've probably already had it. Who, who knows? You got more points, you JT? Might. Sorry, I feel like we've derailed your... your... No, 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 it's, it's, it's a good I chat. the interconnectedness yeah. is... Really, really interesting. If people are interested in, in people talking about it on Twitter that aren't us, I've seen um, post underscore market. She talks about a lot of like the real economy a lot. 
Uh, B Shore is Brent B Shore is a great account. Of course, um, great account. Super Bugatu has been really on top of this stuff. Uh, he's always, you know. So I don't know. Yeah, it, good account. I'd focus on them more than the investors. Dan McMurtry will always be Super Bugatti. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Well, I and I I like him personally too. I've sort of gotten to know him. He's a nice guy, but like I can't not refer to his account as Super Mugatu. Trying to go straight, always gonna be Super Mugatu. <laughs> He's like character. He likes it. He likes it. Speaking of evolutions, let's talk about your evolution, Big Bill. Oh me. Okay. Fantastic. I thought we still had Jake to go. You like that segue? So, yeah. yeah, that was okay. Smooth. So first of all, thanks to all the listeners for reaching out sometimes. Um, and I, I really do have gotten like a so ton much of value. pandering. So Just you. say what you're going to say. Stop Shut pandering. Shut mouth, bro. Shut up. Why I want to send the, the shout out is uh, one of our listeners had told me that I was uh, Handsome. on Whitney, Tilson, Whitney Tilson's early career path uh, after I took a shot at Tilson for being a complete sellout yesterday. Whitney, if you're one of the ten, I'm sorry for saying that out loud, but what you're doing is a little bit offensive to me. So anyway, uh, I said, well, I should probably have an accounting of who I am if people are listening to me and I'm taking shots at Tilson, right? That seems to make some sense. Be honest. So uh, over the past 12 months, I am roughly in line with the market. Over the past two and a half years, I am slightly trailing on an after-tax basis. And over the last three months, uh, specifically 90 days, I have had turnover that is unlike anything that I would wish upon my worst enemy. But, you know, I was sort of going through and I thought, okay, well, what did I do to sort of survive this, right? Because I came into the the sort of corona crisis really long financials in the airlines. Um, And... When I look through my numbers, I mean, I have, I'm talking about like, uh, I've turned over the portfolio. Uh, if you account a buy and a sale as one, tra- like two transactions, right? Each dollar sold and each dollar uh, bought is a separate transaction. It's been like 130% turnover, which is not at all how I want to run what I want to do. But if there's a time do. to do it, this is the t- you turn it over in... When you get the volatility, you turn it over. You get the assets that you want. Buffett this sold out of Johnson and Johnson to to do his big deal last time, and you. Well, so this is the interesting tension, right? Like I want to be Buffett-like in how I approach investing. The other side of that is I held like some KKR, I held some Wells Fargo, I had Nordstrom, and I, I like when KKR. We were talking, I do too. I didn't like it as much when it was a levered smid cap that was going into one of the greatest left tails I've ever seen in history. Uh, I don't mind it here. Um, And I I guess that it's just been an interesting, um, I mean, I said it to you guys on the podcast. I said, like, I don't think that there are rules a couple weeks ago. And I said, like, we're staring at the left tail. And as I look at my activity, I was too frenetic. I mean, to say that I was unemotional is like totally bullshit. But where I'll give myself credit is I stayed in the industries that I knew. I didn't get into like industrials and stuff that I don't understand. And I was smart or lucky enough to see something and like sort of check 
perfection at the door and go into survival mode at the right time. Uh, and I hid in some of the large tech names, so I understand why people are buying them. Um, now the question is, I look at where financials are and like, you know, I'm like a little bit like a crack fiend that's itching for another fix. Like, I mean, some of these things are really interesting to me. So I don't, I'm trying to figure out, okay, do I want to be like this sector rotation analyst that I really don't want to, like, that's not a game that long-term makes a lot of sense to play. But what we were just talking about, these jaws have gotten so wide that it's sometimes you got to say to yourself, like, you know, perfection is the enemy of good here. Uh, and there's some really beaten up stuff that I think that I understand. And, you know, it's it's just sort of interesting. I, I wrote I wrote down a couple thoughts so that I didn't, like, forget anything. I said, uh, I overtraded. This is criticisms, right? I stayed in my lane. When you look at some of the sales, I got, like, really lucky. I mean, the, the margin between when I sold and when they really sold off. Like, I, I mean, luck versus skill is very hard to separate there. But I give my credit for having myself credit for having an open mind. And, you know, where do I go from here? I don't know. Um, but I do think it's important to sort of, uh, you know, take an accounting and, and be honest about who you are as an investor. If you're going to take shots at other people for saying they bought the bottom, you got to at least own who you are. So that's who I am. Oh. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to go from here, though. Well, that's the character arc that we're that's what keeps the show interesting. <laughs> that's, that's what everybody's waiting to find out. Well, like Jake, you had mentioned like somebody was asking about the airlines. I mean, at a point, they get too cheap. Hop right I back just, in bed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's the woman that always cheats on me. I should just avoid her. So just on the airlines, let's talk about that a little By bit. By Sarah Guasto. I dated this girl, Sarah Guasto. By dated, I mean it was like one week. Uh, and I had a golf tournament. And it was hard to get girls as a golfer anyway. One freaking weekend. And she cheated on me with Kevin Kennedy. And then I still thought about dating her. The I can't next believe week. you just called him out on, on a podcast that, that's going to be listened to by dozens of people. Dozens. You know what, Kevin Kennedy? Fuck you. <laughs> we have derailed. Let's let's get back on oh, the rails. Airlines. So, yes. The thing that airlines look airlines look optically cheap, right? People have been. I've bought them. I I own one of them. I own Southwest. Um, Buffett. Uh, has sort of made it okay or had made it okay for everybody to own airlines, right? Because he had bought the basket close oh, to the bottom. That's a dangerous comment. Well, I'm just, I, I'm being honest. I got, you know, that's not, <laughs> yeah. how, that's not how I operate, but it's, it, that's true, yeah. right? That's, that's a true statement. And now he's clearly bailed out of a couple. Uh, you know, we don't know it. We don't know what's happened yet, but he's sold down to jump out and then Munger had that interview over the weekend that I'm sure everybody's listened to by now basically where they said yeah we haven't done much folks got 90% of their money in this thing we're not trying to capitalize as much as we possibly can through this we're looking to get out the other side haven't done a big deal uh, that made my Phone's blood not ringing made my blood run cold a little bit actually like not for the fact that they've missed the opportunity that this is a little bit scarier than maybe even guys like me who think this is scary. Uh, might be even I might have underestimated how scary it really is. Dude, a hundred percent. This goes back to what Jake's segment was. The the interconnected nature of how complicated all this is to restart up. Uh, people want Buffett to do a deal in the first fifteen days of a crisis. 
The only thing in my mind that has been taken off the table by what the Fed did is a liquidity-induced deflationary bust. That's it. What, what's, Six what's, months from now, is that twenty nine? Is that twenty nine? Is that two thousand seven nine? Like, what, what is what is what's the example of that? I don't know, man. But if you it, you have businesses out there that we're not going to be able to raise capital, that probably should be able to at least survive this period. And I I think that the idea that we have bailed them out is like a very flawed way to to operate. I I think that the pain. If I had to assess innings, we're in like inning two, and I think that. You, you had your first three batters up and you're pissed you didn't score a bunch of runs. Like, there's a lot of game to go in, in baseball analogy. Sorry, I think Toby. it's b- bottom of the first, right? We've, we've each had a yeah. go at batting here. And, uh, so, I mean, you got Paul Singer. He's nervous. You got yeah, Buffett. That was the other person. Elliot's. You got, I mean, <clears throat> I wouldn't and, discount yeah, the fact that. Bounced, but, like, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't discount the fact that that Buffett has a very unique data set into the U.S. economy. That is, the fact that he's so quiet right now is a, is a very telling to me. Like, he knows what stuff's moving. He knows electricity. He knows a lot of retail. He's got a pretty good finger on the pulse of the U.S. economy. I, I don't know. I, I find that to be a very uh, salient data point. Yeah. I think zero chance that they don't want to capitalize on it. I I have said and do think the deals aren't there yet. I also think the deals may come. Yeah, I think so too. But that sort of doesn't that presuppose that we're going to get another bite of the cherry here? That there's going to be another leg down. I think the upside downside skew here is not very attractive for the longs. Howard Marks now, the said, prob- you know, the probabilities. Like the economy's fifteen percent. He thinks the economy's worse than fifteen percent. Worse than it was a few months ago. I mean, I think that's a true. I think that's right. Right. That's a that's a description of the risk reward, the bet that you're putting on, given where the market is. Yeah, I think this is a little bit of like investor brain where people have seen the bounce and they're like, oh, the bottom's in. I mean, yeah, short term for sure. I mean, now people are able to think about things and the panic selling has has gone. You know, has gone away. Uh, I. I it, takes a long leap of faith for me to think that we've hit like the true bottom uh we may have i mean everything's probabilistic but if we test the lows i'm not going to be shocked by any stretch let's start throwing some questions in uh and i'll I'll read them out to the boys dude businesses that are going to be able to run at structurally unprofitable levels like that's terrifying this is this is whether or not it's priced in. We'll see. I got a good question for you: Is Buffett even a tell anymore because he bought IBM, Tesco, well, Coke, Kraft? Yeah. Give him credit for Coke, right? How about Apple? That worked out pretty well. Apple did work out pretty well. That's a good point. Yeah, and he did that in size. So yeah, huge. I mean, look, I obviously got slaughtered on the airline thesis. I'm not sure that was wrong. I mean, it, the outcome was wrong. Was the bet wrong? I mean, I am biased assessing that. Which one? Sorry. The airline bet. Airlines, I mean, I, yeah. I think, look, Bill Miller, he saw that too. Those guys are really smart. Like the idea that Buffett lost it because he laid those chips, I, I don't buy that. Plus, it's such a small portion of his capital. It's, it's like the headline to actual risk is way yeah. skewed in that, in that pay, bet. Pay attention to slugging percentage too more than batting average. That's a good yeah. point. Dude's OPS is strong. What about Occidental? 
Is that a mistake? That was bad. Is that a mistake? <laughs> uh, he's lost it. That one was bad. <laughs> is it a mistake? I don't know that. I don't know that the preferred deal was a mistake. Taking the common seems odd. Oh, maybe you got I no thought option, that was man. odd when he did it. If they just say, "Hey, we got we got no liquidity," I don't think he wants the common. I think he's like they've got. I think they've said we've got no liquidity. It's shares or no, where. No. But you're talking about the dividend that he's receiving. Yeah. He actually came. I mean, Berkshire, somebody in some, that portfolio okay. came out of pocket and bought it in the okay. open market. Okay. That I didn't get. Okay. Questions. Let's do it. Uh, here's a question. Uh, is the government going to beat Buffett to the punch, save all the companies and not allow Buffett to get good deals? That's kind of what Munger was saying, right? That the phone wasn't ringing for them because the, they were, the, the airlines were talking to the government, which, which might be fair enough. I mean, there's, there's one view that the government shut this down. It's the government's responsibility to kind of help these guys get to the other side. Nobody wants to dive on that uh, grenade. I don't know. I'll dive on it. Jeez. I'm waiting for Jake because I think we have different points of view. I I don't know how I feel about that. It's it's very complicated. I'm so. Do I think that longer term our system would be run in a much more resilient fashion if we didn't jump at like the first hint of problem? Yes. Uh, do I think that there is a lot of damage that, that comes from that? Yes. Do I think that we can prevent that damage from ever happening? No. Uh, do I think we're kind of just trying to kick the can down the road? Uh, probably. So I, I don't know. It's, those are very, very, these are like, you know, hum, societal existential kind of questions. If the government shuts Turns you down, we don't disagree that much. Don't you like if the government shut? <laughs> I feel like I'm taking on Bill's position well, here. But... You're smart and I'm right. <laughs> there you go. That's right. I think you came to my position more though. <laughs> well, I think I've moved to your position now and I feel like you guys have like possibly gone where I was about a week ago. But I, I, I kind of, if the government tells you to shut down until so you can't make any money, aren't you now like, aren't they responsible for you? Look, I, I just, I don't think that is what's going on right now. I think that after in the middle of a shut so listen i think in the middle of a shutdown for the government to step in and get you to may is a different question than did you bail out all of equity here i don't think i don't think these businesses are coming out in june humming and bailed out i think the pain is about to start and i think that everybody wants the answer to be like right now but that's not the timeline that life evolves on and i think that we'll find out over the next six nine months and i don't think buffett is at this time of his career like is he really trying to buy like cleveland cliffs off the mat like he doesn't give a crap about a steel company he's looking for a good deal like a good business that's got a bad capital structure those those problems aren't going away uh and i think they'll be amplified over the next 18 months so i just think you know, let's talk in two years to see if he got squeezed out of deals. Right now, I think he's squeezed out. Yeah, I agree. How about July earnings season? That's going to be... Or September. Um, I think it was YOLO Capital Management I was talking to. Uh, it was somebody. And they think that the debt cycle, like the, the real default cycle, is going to come September, December. Um, 
like that's a pretty that's the smart default cycle. for me yeah why why, yeah, why that like, period you know, well you get through now and then you come out and now you've got even more leverage and i mean at 80 percent, how many businesses are structurally unprofitable like you can't make a lot of things work that was an interesting comment of mongers right that that they weren't going to necessarily restart all of their businesses. Did you catch yeah, that? Yeah, I did. Do you, do you have any happy. inkling what he's talking about there? Some are kind of crappy. <laughs> this gives you the this gives you the excuse to kill them, and you don't have to say, "Hey, you know, we're not going to hold or we're not like holding forever." I mean, they've killed businesses. No more, no more textile production. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I get a, this is a kind of a rhetorical question. It's a good point. Though. How do you play an opponent that goes in, goes all in on every hand and materializes chips out of thin air? Yeah, that does make it tough. I just don't think that's what's happening. Well, we'll what, see. What's what's what do you think's happening? I think they got us through now. I I think that you you've got negative oil. You've got people not moving. You've got commodities being plowed under. You really want to start like a bankruptcy cycle on top of all this? I mean, like that's really what we want to do. It, from a policy standpoint, it makes no sense to me to add those chips when you can avoid it. I understand the peanut gallery being upset, but like if if I was making the decisions, I'd do the exact same thing. Let's and think about it this way. I would not bail people out in 12 months. Then I would let your capital structure determine your fate. Let's say that you're uh, – th to me, that assumes an omnipotence to central banks that I think might be misplaced. And as, as evidence of that, I would say how many central banks have, have been in human history? Maybe – boy, I don't know. Let's call it 250 perhaps. I don't know what the exact number is, but I'm, I'm probably in the reasonable ballpark. How many of those have been able to permanently deliver prosperity through printing, through management? That's not what I'm saying. I know. I'm saying this counter argument, though, of like you're going up against an opponent who has all of the chips. That to me, I don't think it's I don't think they have as much power as you think that they have. Yeah, we agree again because I'm smart and you're right. <laughs> Got to be one of the most offensive things Munger has ever said. That line, and I, I hear that like once every six months or so. So this is he I got said some... it to me. <laughs> did he actually say that to you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did about the China, the greatest companies uh, being in China, and then he's... I think he finished it off with that one. He said it a few times, and there's a there's a question about gold and gold mining stocks, um, and it's kind of related to the unlimited QE that we're going through. Do you, I mean, do you guys buy gold? Looks like Druckenmiller gun like. Howard Marks, Minard, all... I don't know who that last one is. Is he a Fed governor? I don't know. Scott Minner, He's uh, Guggenheim, I think, partners. Something Thank like you. that. Collectively, uh, we know what we're talking about here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do know that uh, there was a weird movement when things were really getting crazy where the junior gold miner ETF, which I've kept my eye on for a long time, it dropped down to like 20 bucks a share, like overnight really fast over a friday friday night like something blew up i think in some other etf structure i don't know exactly uh but i was like i'm gonna watch that for like one more day but if it stays there i think i'm gonna buy some of course you know it's at like 
37 now or something like it absolutely just ripped away from me and i was like god damn it my my being a little bit conservative here and just kind of wanting to just look at it cost me cost me a fair amount on that one that's so you're gonna you're gonna buy the etf rather than any individual miners what does the etf consist of is it like market cap weight of a whole lot of bigger miners well, that one is the junior, so it's a lot of... But the same, similar price action happened with the GDX, which is the, the bigger miner. That's miners. the bigger ones. What's the thought process there that you don't want to have to pick winners? You just want to get exposure to the mining part of it, which... And rather than getting exposure to gold itself, you think that there's some sort of... Like, you get like my, the tail end of the whip. My thought process was if I could buy one times price to book of assets that are creating something that I think has the potential to maybe run up a lot that the operational leverage that would then kick in would be pretty extreme and uh get a couple might... super juiced options basically and you're not I, paying too much for I them have a, yeah i'm paying like one times for the the roll of the dice at a call option on gold sort of that's sort of like a you know tortured view that i that i entertain that makes sense i was just no, interested I think in the process I guess i'm not criticizing shit the bet on that one i <laughs> I don't know enough about miners to to what I would my thought process is I would imagine they're helped quite a bit by fuel um, and energy. I I would just get nervous if your thesis is that inflation is coming, which I'm not even sure that I'm sold on that. I actually am more worried about deflation than inflation. Then all your equipment that you have to replace is going to go up in you price. Can have both. Too. I'd rather just own the metal. You can have asset price How? deflation. How do you and- want to own it? I'd probably just like buy it and put it in a bank, which I know sort of sounds like out there. And I know that some huge guy is going to end up owning it eventually when I try to pay for something anyway. But that, that I think is the purest way to do it uh, is to own the physical. I mean, I think what that's do these guys like a drunken Miller do. Are they owning physical somewhere? Your boy Peter Schiff is. I say your boy. I don't know if he likes doesn't he, it. Doesn't he sell, doesn't he sell the physical? My... Sorry. I thought Schiff sold yeah. the physical. He does. Yeah, I think. And then he stores it, and then he charges you a fee, and then he tells you why the world's crashing and why you should buy it from him. But the dude lives – he walks his talk. I'll give him that. Uh, and I don't know that he's not necessarily – Isn't he on the other side of that trade though? If he's selling you the gold, isn't he on the other side of that trade? I think they do more like brokerage of gold. Okay. Like middleman. I, I don't know for sure though. Pretty transparent guy. I don't. I don't mind people talking their book as much as some people do. And you know, his dad went to the mat for. That was the real. He he walked the talk there. Like he spent a lot of time in jail. I think for not paying Tax taxes. Evasion? That yeah. Well, really? but like principled. Principled. Like, this is confiscation. I'm gonna stand up against this and try to get to the Supreme Court. Like that kind of stuff. That's, huh. that's putting your ass where your mouth is. I guess. Yeah. You need people Wait, like that in society. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Are we going to see more indiscriminate selling when people see dark clouds again, or are the cheap businesses just going to be the worst ones? Yeah, so I guess that's a question. Like the first time around, value got smashed up uh, worse than anything else, I, and I mean, I mean, just mean the deep value stuff, the stuff that I like, rather than uh, the intrinsic value type stuff. That where a, a, a DCF is being Generic done. Generic value part. Well, yeah. Where does generic value partners fall? Because I feel like I've picked up a lot of generic value partners now. Probably generic, in the middle. It's, it's a little bit more middle. deep value these days. So generic I guess. Value yeah, I mean, Berkshire, uh, Bank of America, Markel, 
Okay. I think I was thinking hiding out a little bit in Fang still. I think I think if it's in my portfolio, this is the it's the it's the junky cheap stuff. That's not true. I I, I Shopify. I, un, undiscovered oh quality. Oh my god, that thing has just gone nuts. Oh. What's it like? Eighty times earnings. Eighty times Dude, sales. I, I, no, there's no earnings. December 2018, and I was like, ah, oh, it's a little rich, and here it is up like what four and a half, five times. Mate, wow. uh, putting your ass where your mouth is, <laughs> phrasing. <Yeah>. I know. <laughs> yeah, so I guess the question is, what happens in this next downdraft? Who knows? I, I've. It's very. If there's another downdraft, that's that's one question. I'll tell you what happens. This is this. I would lay odds on this. Let's hear it. Big time. I would lay odds on this. People right now. There are some of these big tech companies. For instance, I think Microsoft is like truly actually insulated. Not now to the extent that businesses close, you're going to lose licenses. But like that is systems of record type stuff. Some of these names, I don't know which ones. If I did, I'd be short them. It, people are going to realize like, oh, this actually was not that essential of a project product or, oh, it actually does depend on a sales. Gavin Baker has written about this in uh, in Medium. Some of these names are going to get slaughtered. Minion Capital is writing about how he thinks some of these things are overvalued. You got sharp money saying that there's going to be some pain in some of these these names. And I think that's probably where you see the most, the next leg of a lot of pain. Well, some of these were not, did not show increasing returns on like you would expect of a good tech, you know, economies of scale type of business. How are you measuring so, that? Uh, well, I mean, just like unit economics. I mean, look at something like Grubhub or yeah, Uber even, I think. Like these are not, stuff, well, I know. I'm just saying like representative sampling okay. of like, these are, you don't get those kind of, uh, the, the same tor- type of economics where then the scale that, I think that it was just a good story that is called tech, even though like it's there's not really that much tech there. I don't think there's but clearly better my, businesses though, I, right? There's some like I bet Microsoft. My beloved Splunk gets destroyed. I lost four thousand whole dollars on that thing. I've been short that dog in the past. Sorry. Mm, <laughs> brutal. You gave your money to Toby. I don't care. Good. I'm glad. I don't, At least I, somebody that was deserving got it. I probably traded it. It's probably we didn't overlap. I don't think. I probably we probably both got it wrong. We should probably swap but positions. You, but you, but you guys are Eskimo brothers on it. <laughs> oh God, that's. that's <laughs> but there's different. Too far. There's definitely different types of like I would make a dis- there's a in my Except mind there's Rabbids. a pretty big distinction between Except Microsoft and Netflix, and there's a big distinction between Google, and uh, like I think Facebook too. Like Facebook went away. If Google goes away, that is a bit of damage to my. That's a big damage to my private life and my business life mostly. If Microsoft goes away, that's huge damage to my business life and my private life. If Netflix goes away, you know, eh, I'll watch something else. I think that I make a big distinction between like that. If, the, if there are some names out there that I think are genuine, like JT and I discussed this. This is mostly JT's idea. I'm just adopting. I'm just adopting it. But uh, there are businesses out there that are like woven into the fabric of life that you cannot you just cannot extricate them without you can't copy them you can't compete with them you can't extricate them from from life and there are other ones if they go away it might be like ah it's annoying but who cares so i think you got to make the distinction between i don't like tech's not a monolith there are some things in there that are really incredibly valuable 
just too expensive yeah. for palookas like me. Yeah. I, I think what value guys in general may underestimate is the amount that some of these companies are overstaffed for growth and how much that flows through the income statement and how that hits your cash flow statement today versus like finance capex in the past. I mean, there's a lot of adjustments and sure. there's a lot of art when you have to like value growth. But I, I think where some growth people are probably going to get slapped in the face is they're going to find out that what they thought was an essential service is actually just something that's frivolous. When, when the economy is great, you can buy a lot of it. And then when push comes to shove, it actually doesn't matter all that much. There's more cyclicality in this secular trend, I think. Well, and, and Gavin's point, uh, Gavin Baker's point was like, a lot of people, their brain is thinking, okay, well, software doesn't get cut. Well, that sort of heuristic was true when software was 9% of IT spend. But now when you combine software and the cloud, it's something like, I think he may have said even up to 50%. I might be wrong. Let's call it 30%. You're starting to cut like real fat at that point. So if your IT department needs to cut real cost, Maybe in the past it was on-premise softwares that you'd sort of, or uh, servers that maybe like defer. Today, you look at your software budget; it might be there. We're so, coming up on yeah. time, fellas. Um, I got one last question for you. Where do you put Twitter in that bucket? <laughs> A crack, absolutely <laughs> essential and too cheap. I don't own it, but I should. Well, now Elliot's in there too. It's I know. Elliot, right? I'm, it's yeah. an interesting asset. It's a very interesting asset. Yeah, it's if it gets run for money, if it gets run for as a fi, as a financial, and yeah, it's interesting what happens there. Dude, you have, oh my man! Because I do think it's a better social network than Facebook or maybe not Instagram, but TikTok. Because it's just it's hard to use. So once you're kind of locked into it, it's hard to get out to. The problem is, I mean, Scott Galloway put it a very good way. Twitter sells to your brain, and that's harder to monetize than selling to your heart and your penis. You can't penis. just stick ads in there? I think you can, but it's, it, the lust is a much more – you can monetize it better than you can your head. I, I, I yeah, it's, it's pictures versus letters. I mean, like, what is – you're going to move your little chimp brain to want to buy things. It's – it's I mean, if, stuff of, it's like status stuff, not like, whoa, that idea blew my mind. Instagram has great ads, right? Like, I don't mind getting the ads on Instagram. Many of beast. them. Why can't Twitter figure that out? Well, I think uh, my man Elliot Turner would tell you that they're working on their stack right now and that they're going to. What have they been doing for the last decade? <laughs> kind of messing around, I think. Like, I mean, why? Here's the other thing. I, I guess you could argue you have a duty to your shareholders, and I I would buy that argument. But like, if you're Jack Dorsey, why do you care? Like, you're worth a billion dollars. All your employees are super happy. Your Twitter, your platform is growing like crazy. Like, what's your incentive to change it? Some hedge fund guy with his foot up yeah. your ass. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe now you now, maybe now the incentive exists. All right, fellas. Well, that's time. That was really fun. Good session, had a good guys. time. Jake, I liked yours. That was that was very insightful. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Eat, we'll see eat your vegetables. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Ciao. Peace. Move with the rhythm. Shake it up, stop.
when the clock gets 13 Sing one 